Good morning, Gallahorn. Dave here. We're back after our week of mourning with GMG, The Holes to Fill. In this episode, we're going to talk about all the free agents the Vikings have, which ones we should target, which ones we should just let go, how we are sitting cap-wise, where are some of our coaches going, and we'll end the show with Drew asking the perfect question. He wants Ted and I to sell him on the 2020 season and the Vikings' future. We hope you enjoy the show. Go! Ted, Andrew, to join us after our week of mourning at the end of the 2019 season. Now we're heading into the 2020 offseason, and there is tons to talk about. And we're going to be here for you. How you doing, Drew? Um, yeah, yeah, that wasn't a very enthusiastic. <laughs> Good morning, Gellhorn. Yeah. My wife told me that yesterday she had there's a big spider in the kitchen. She told me, get that thing out. Take him out. So I grabbed the spider, and we went out. And we had dinner, and we had some drinks. <laughs> pretty good guy. Pretty good. Those spiders are pretty. You know what he does for a living? What's that? Web designer. Oh. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay, nice dad that. joke. Nice <laughs> How you doing, Ted? Doing okay. Uh, doing okay. Hey, Drew, is that a Corey Stringer jersey you were wearing? Yes, sir. Thought I'd go Corey Stringer today. I, I have a I have a question. Yeah. What school did Corey Stringer attend? <laughs> you know, I wanted to go over some of these things early on in the offense. <laughs> He's the greatest offensive lineman besides Orlando Pace ever to play for Ohio State University. And maybe Kirk Loudermilk. Yeah, I, I, he's top five, definitely. Yes, Dude. I'd have to look at some of the. How about Drew knowing some Buckeye knowledge? Yes. If I had a hat, I'd, I'd be tipping my cap to your knowledge. I go at, when the season ends. I go Big K for a month. Give yeah, my but is that because K, they keep so. beating Michigan every year? They beat Michigan this year. <laughs> yeah. What about Jay Patterson, the senior at the Reese's Senior Bowl today? I saw him on TV, and my wife saw no. <laughs> I, I saw a thing, and I I, I didn't want to put put poor salt in the wound, but. The, on, on Twitter, there's a bunch of guys I, I, I follow that are at the Senior Bowl, and and one guy said something about Patterson that he he uh, he had no arm strength, he couldn't put any zip on the ball thrown into the wind, and I, at, at the end of his tweet, he said, I, I, "I'm not even sure if he's draftable at this point." He's not. He won't get drafted. So, which means anyway. the Vikings will take him. You he won't that. be a threat to Kirk Cousins. Well, yeah. the season's over, guys. Anyways, fell apart. Yeah. Fell apart in Santa Clara. Didn't end the way we wanted it to. So a lot of unanswered questions going into uh, this season coming up, <clears throat> which leads me to a little exercise I have planned. Okay, good. All right. The I'm first, through 
Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. First, I was going to go over, as we move into the 2020 season, we have some free agents coming up. We're not technically at the end of the 2019 NFL season. People don't get released quite yet. Uh, but once they do, we have Sean Mannion as the backup quarterback will be a free agent. We have Amir Abdullah, uh, running back. We have C.J. Ham, our Pro Bowl second invite. <laughs> Pro Bowl. <laughs> back. Come on, I got I got an email saying Dang I was going to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I would not. Stop. That's what David Stefano in his Pro Bowl. <laughs> uh, we have Laquan Treadwell will be a free agent again. Christ, he didn't make the fucking Pro Bowl. <laughs> After we cut him last year and then signed him for veteran minimums. Dylan Mitchell, the perennial rookie, will be a Pro Bowler. We have... Or not a Pro Bowler. A free agent, pardon me. The beer's already getting to me. Uh, we have Rashad Hill, who will be a free agent. One that I think we could discuss the Vikings need to sign back up as a as our swing tackle, or at least to compete for our swing tackle position. Dakota Dozier will be one. We have uh, Stephen Weatherly. There's another one we might be interested in re-signing. Jesus, this is all the free agents we have? Yeah. Fuck. Everson Griffin, maybe. It's up to him. He has between now and February 25th to decide whether he wants to void his contract because he has language written in it where he could... Eric Wilson is another free agent that we are, I would think we'd want to re-sign. Kentrell Brothers is another one. Who isn't a free agent? Is that a shorter list? <laughs> no. We have Mac Alexander, our starting nickel cornerback. He wants to go try the market out. He's gone. He wants to make see what the market will pay him. You are 100% correct, Drew. We have... Trey Waynes, who we've talked about for the entire season. We have Marcus Shirelles. Cheryl's. Shirelles. He's about 80 years old. Keeps getting signed back. We have what are you doing? Nathan Metters. J. Ron Curse, who will not be invited back, even though I think that's a mistake. Andrew Sendejo. And the big one, Anthony Harris. That should be a major target, I would think, but he's going to demand upwards towards $15 million per year. He's the best one on that list, though. If you're going to sign any of them, if you're going to sign one only, that would be the one. Yeah. And then we get to our specialists, both our punter, Britton Colquitt, and kicker, Dan Bailey. So, Might I add, the most consistent part of the Vikings this year, the punter and the kicker. <laughs> yeah. Can't argue yeah. with me on it either. You're not wrong. Oh, you're 100% correct. <laughs> Take that to your Pro Bowl. So, <laughs> there is a lot of moving parts going into the 2020 offseason that need to be addressed. And that's not even talking coaches. Coaches, we've lost. Kevin Stefanski is now the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. We wish him well in his post-life. You have uh, 
Mr. Payton out of the office, assistant GM, who is today, as we record, which is Wednesday, down for a second interview with the Browns. Um, we have the defensive backs coach, Pat Gray. Pat Gray? Jerry Gray. Yeah, and we had defensive coordinator, um, who also has left. So, there's holes on the coaching staff. It looks like to be holes in the front office and holes on the team. Are there any in particular you'd like to talk about, Ted? Let's let's talk. Before we before we talk about players, because I want to talk about the, the, the coaching staff as well. Um, one thing you didn't mention, which, which is a critical part of re-signing some, none, or all of these free agents, is the salary cap situation of the Minnesota Vikings, which... Depending upon what site you read on what day, they're anywhere from five to ten million dollars over, over the salary cap. So they're they're five to ten million bucks in the hole when the season begins. Yeah, that's with all the free agents leaving. That's not yes. signing yeah. anybody. None none of none of these guys Dave talked about are up against the twenty twenty salary cap. That's just guys left on the roster. Oh man. So so when you when you look at it through that prism, now you have to look at some of these high-priced veterans that that are either going to ask to be restructured or shown the door. You talked about Everson Griffin, who I think has like a ten or eleven million dollar cap hit next year, with only eight hundred thousand dollars of dead money. No, to be um, exact, it's thirteen point nine per OTC over the cap. Okay, so thirteen million. You got a guy like Riley Reef who has significant cap savings, but a fair amount of dead money. You got um, thirteen. And here's a name for Riley Reef. Here, here's a name that that you're going to raise your eyebrows at, and you're going to go, Ted, you're nuts. But if you look at Harrison Smith's contract, he's got eight million dollars up. He's got an eight million dollar cap hit next year, and he's got two million dollars in dead money, I believe. Now it's. Ten point seven five total cap hit, with two million in dead cap. Okay, so okay, um, but the I numbers think they could I'm save eight, at from over. Yeah, I cap. think they could save eight million. Either way, mm-hmm. there there's a lot of money to be recouped from a Harrison Smith contract. Harrison Smith is either thirty one or thirty two. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there are probably five or six guys, and the only one on offense that really is a significant player right now is Riley Reef. You could talk maybe Pat Elfline. He could save a million bucks off the cap. He's got 200000 in dead money. I, I can't remember. I did a piece on this a while back. I'd have mm-hmm. to go look at the numbers again. But almost all of these guys are on defense. You, you could potentially be looking at five new starters on defense before we even get to the draft or free agency. Because all that has to be done on, on the first day of the new league year. And then I think free agency starts a few days after that. Because you have to have all that stuff settled on day one of the new league year. So the Vikings could potentially be looking at five, six, seven spots that need to be filled. Just starters. We're talking starters on day one of the new league year. So it depends. I I mean, I think the Vikings are going to get about $20 million in cap, 20 to $25 million in cap space. And if, and if Dave's number is right about Anthony Harris, which I think it's going to be pretty close, mm-hmm. they're either going to have to take a pass on him or absorb $14 million. And now you're down to $10 bucks. 
Now, given and, and you've got and you've got nothing, you got no free agent signed other than Anthony Harris, and you still got to pay your draft class. So I, I don't know, man. I th- this looks like a really challenging off season for the Vikings. Now, normally on cap negotiations, anytime there's a new contract, say we sign Anthony Harris at fourteen million per year on average, right? Usually that first year is about anywhere from 65 to 85% of whatever that annual per year cost is in the way they work it out. And that's normal. So it might be if he costs $14 million a year, he might cost us $10 million in cap. But this still, that's pushing it out. That's what we've been doing the last few years with a lot of players is we push that out, the renegotiations to push it out. And renegotiations will lower cap hits immediately but it pushes it out, and it pushes more dead money out into the future. The Vikings never used to work this way. They have it until a sequence of events. From when Zimmer started taking over, and you had lineman injuries, and then later the blown-up knee and having to go for Bradford, and all this started eating out the cushions where the Vikings before used to sign guys and go, here's a massive bonus to start because we had the money, and then they had lower caps Towards the end, we've reversed that and gone back to a normal NFL trend of here, we're going to give you a little bit of money now to lower the cap hit now, and we're going to push stuff out. The Saints are probably the best example of this when it comes to Drew Brees. They keep pushing big amounts of guaranteed money down the road, and it's going to be where Drew Brees goes, at one point I retire, and they're still going to owe him 20 or $30 million dollars. That's got to come off the cap. We're not quite to that point, but we're getting there. And that is what is concerning. And you think they're going to clear $25 million below on top of, I'm showing, you know, anywhere from 5.5 to about $5.9 million over the cap? Here, I, I, pulled, I pulled up that piece. And I, I think if you get, um, uh, if they cut, if you include all those guys we talked about plus, Linval Joseph, they'll free up $41.7 million in cap space, giving them about $36 million. But if you do that, you've cut, um, you've cut Joseph, you've cut Everson Griffin, you've cut Xavier Rhodes, you've cut uh, Riley Reef, and, and you've absorbed uh, like $15 or $16 million in dead money, that, which is a big chunk, which the Vikings traditionally don't do. And I, I don't. I don't want to talk about numbers and, and dead right. money. I, I think it bores the crap out of people. But the bottom line is the Vikings have to are going to have to say goodbye to some really, really, really good players, and they're going to have still not a lot of money and a lot of holes to fill. Right. When it's when the when the smokes when the smoke clears, the Vikings are going to have not a lot of cap space. I think they'll get a lot healthier in 2021 when Cousins' number comes off the books. And some other guys, but whatever. They, they've they've got some. They've got some serious challenges ahead of them this year. Well, not only do you cut those guys and those create holes, you still have the holes by Wayne's leaving, by McKenzie Alexander leaving, yeah. by Harris leaving if he leaves. Yeah. The you know These may be targets for re-signings, but they're holes that need to be filled. And you just took off four starters off the board, and we know we have at least three on defense that are going to be gone anyways. So that's seven starters, six of which are... On the defense. So, coach him up, Zim. Yeah. No, seriously. I mean, he's like a uh, defensive yeah. back guru, and you're looking at, at 
Rhodes gone, Wayne's gone, Anthony Harris gone. That's that's three or four starting secondary guys. Hold on. Well, I take this Xanax. This is getting worse by the fucking minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, Damn. And that yeah, doesn't yeah. even talk about... Um, really an eye-opener. Really, really good stuff. I mean, as much as it's depressing, it's good. It, it's. I mean, when Zimmer got here in 2014, he was gung-ho, gung-ho to get this defense. Gung-ho. I'm going to get this defense turned around, which he did. Draft a lot he of did. good players. Oh, yeah. But it's... When somebody asked me to go on tour when I was 25, I was gung-ho, ready to rock and roll. And I look back now, I can't do that now. Does he have the gas to do it all over again? That's a good question. That's a good question. To, to, like, rebuild the defense? Right, because when you get here, when you first start the job in 2014, I'm the head coach and put my new hat on, and he went feet first into it. And he built a damn good defense. It's not only... Was good first couple of years. It's been consistent since he's been here. He's had a good defense. Yeah, it's yeah, been top built, ten. Built and maintained a great defense. Does he have the fire to jump back in there and do and do it again? Because it sounds I agree with everything Ted's saying. This isn't losing a couple guys and replacing them with a free agent here or there. This is a makeover on defense. Does he have the power to do it? I think it all depends. You know, I, who was it? Parcells or maybe John Madden said, uh, "The better the players you have, the better the coach you are." Boom. Um, boom. <laughs> um, it's a good question. I, I mean, and, and all these guys we've talked about, I mean, Joseph, he brought in in 2014, Everson Griffin, you know, he, he got signed to that big contract extension. Xavier Rhodes, he turned into a really good player, Pro Bowl player. Um, I mean, those are these are Zim's guys. Mm-hmm. And he's he's been very reluctant to have to say goodbye to any of them. I mean, he – the Vikings went out of their way to re-sign Anthony Barr and and redo Everson Griffin's contract. I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think he he will have the the fire and the desire to do it, but I don't know that. When I mean, when you look at the talent drain versus the <clears throat> amount of money they have to replace that talent drain, I I, I don't know, man. I I just think the defense is going to take a, a big step backwards next year. I, I just I do. I mean, there are guys there in the secondary you can. You could say Holton, Holton Hill and, and um, Mike Hughes, um, which is Mike a question mark with could, his broken vertebra. Could, uh, yeah, could maybe take a step forward next year. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I thought Weatherly might be a guy, but he's a free agent. There's, I don't know, man. I, there's, <laughs> here's, the, here's the crossroads. Let me throw it back to you guys. Here's the crossroads where I think a GM and a head coach have to meet. This is, this is where the rubber hits the road. When you're drafting in 2018 and 19 and 20, you're also drafting not only your blue chippers, you're drafting guys that are going to fill in after the next guy leaves. Hopefully, That's why yes. you draft Jalen Holmes, Jaleel Johnson, Curse, yes, Benji Gideon. That's what these guys are drafted for, too, because everybody wears down. So when you wear down, the next guy comes in, and a good example would be Adenabo on the end. That, that You draft him. And then he's going to fill in after a few years, and then he becomes your next star or whatever. That's supposed to be the process. But if you don't hit on those guys, it's a brick wall, baby. And if the yeah. GM and the head coach aren't working together, you have nobody to fill in. You have nobody to step in, and then it, it, it really, really can cause a problem. I always, When I look at these drafts now, I look at a 2018 draft, I'm looking at what guys in this draft are going to carry the load the next go around that you're drafting almost for the future as much as you are that particular season. 
You're not just drafting for that season. That's my point. No, I yeah. vote Drew for GM. Christ's sake. That makes no, sense. Really, <laughs> that makes you don't sense. Put me in of but that, that's just kind of how I look at it. I used to always think the draft 2010 is going to be all for 2010. And then I learned after I started looking more at drafts and guys that only last three or four years in the league, it's the draft. That draft is these guys like Stacy Coley and Rodney Adams. These are the guys that you expected to take over. Colby Gossett. Or at least you expect a percentage of them to take over. You Madison. know there's going to be some misses. I mean, you're drafting them in the sixth and seventh round. There's going to be some misses. But you do expect some hits that step up and take those spots. So there's if you plenty do miss, of examples to do. If you miss on your mid-round guys that are supposed to come up when the other guys like Linville, Linville not, doesn't have it anymore in my, in my eyes. If Jaleel Johnson out of Iowa, who was a beast at Iowa, if he would if he was the guy raring to go, then you're set at that position. You're not rebuilding. You're just running in a new guy, and that's how it's supposed to all work. You're supposed to draft a guy like Madison, and if something happens with Cook, then you got a, you know another guy that's good. It's always the next generation of guys. These guys don't last very long. And if you draft well and you work well and you have a good cap guy, which the Vikings do, and you develop these guys well – then you're constantly in the playoffs and playing, you know, that that's kind of how I see it. That's kind of how I see I, I would argue the Vikings had very good starters in depth. Not only very good starters, but very good depth at most positions. I would even argue through this year. I, I mean, they had a pretty good, arguably some of the best depth on defensive line in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that, you know, you Drew, you talked about Jaleel Johnson and, and Jalen Holmes. Are, are those guys – are those guys that you think can step up and play? A Fetty Adenabo. Weatherly's going to be a free agent. I think Adenabo could play. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if if uh, if they cut Reef, is is Ole Udo going to be a guy that can play? Is I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just – you're looking at a lot of a talent leaving, and I don't know that the guys that were on the <clears throat> bench that, that can play in short spurts, I don't know that they, they're ready to go – as, as full-time starters, but that's just me. You yeah. draft Pat Elfline. Here's an ex- real quick. Elfline, you draft him, that's your guy for the next five, seven. The Elfline is, is a backtrack now. That's where you're starting to fail the system because we should not have to be thinking about replacing that him right there. That That's what I'm talking about. You have to yeah. be very careful. And what now, now we're having to backtrack and refill a spot that's supposed to be filled. Elfline's supposed to be the guy. Yeah. He's it. And he's turning into not being it. So, it. Ted is right. This is way more difficult than what it was. It's going to be a really difficult haul this year. And with all these holes, we run the risks that we did two years ago after team leaders like Chad Greenway um, and others left and retired. We had a hole in leadership. If Everson Griffin leaves is cut or decides to void his contract. Are we missing a key defensive leadership position? Yeah, he's a defensive captain. Everybody everybody loves Everson Griffin. I, I think it's, players, teammates, fans alike. So it's um, not only just talent yeah. we'd lose, it's leadership we'd lose. Oh yeah. And that's that that's almost more important. Um, the value of leadership is tremendous when it comes to final results in the NFL. 
We're just talking defense. The only thing we talked on offense so far is we hinted at Riley Reef possibly being released for salary cap money. And Riley Reef played average, maybe a little bit better for an offensive tackle. And Pat Elfline, who played miserably. We haven't talked about the offense yet. Now, most of the key players on the offense will be back. So the offense is pretty much locked in besides those two guys, I would think. Um, but the key is the failings on the offense from this last season tended to be when Kirk <clears throat> Cousins got under pressure. And Kirk Cousins got under pressure, especially up the middle, Pat Alfline and our rookie center. How do you beef up that line? Because we're all seeing on Twitter and elsewhere, fix the O-line, you fix a lot of Kirk Cousins' problems. That's going to cost money if you got to get them in free agency, and there's very rarely you get that first-year starter that makes a difference on the offensive line in the draft, unless you're drafting top 10. Drew? <clears throat> Here's what I don't get. I mean, there's a lot that I don't get. The spider leaving the house, all that stuff. <clears throat> 2018, the Vikings rushed for 1,493 yards. This year, they rushed for 640 more. 2018, the Vikings allowed 40 sacks. This year, they allowed 28. That's 12 less. 2018, they ran for nine touchdowns. This year, they ran for 19. That's an increase of 640, 12 less sacks, and 10 rushing touchdowns. The O-line, those numbers are screaming that the O-line got better. Not that they're where they need to be, but they're better looking at those numbers. But it doesn't feel like they're better, does it? It doesn't feel overall, when you watch that Niner game and see them getting pushed around and embarrassed, it doesn't feel better. Why are those numbers, when you look at the numbers, you think, wow, we got a lot better, but does it really feel like we, I don't think we're there yet. Why is it, why is it like that? I, I have a theory. Let's okay. hear it. If you go back to these shows, I think I mentioned this last year, that one of my big concerns was uh, running a zone blocking scheme with smaller guys on the offensive line. My, my concern was that when they got to play defenses that were just as athletic as, as the Vikings offensive line guys are, but were bigger and stronger, the Vikings O-line would get pushed around. Mm-hmm. Because you couldn't, you can't out-scheme... When speed matches speed and talent matches talent, you you can't out scheme it. I don't think. My opinion. What happened when the Vikings played the Bears, the Packers, and the 49ers? Pushed around. Teams that have very athletic defenses that can move laterally, very well, uh, and and are fairly disciplined and don't get fooled by you know pulling guards and you know, center reverses or, you know what, I'm joking, obviously, but, but the scheme, but when they don't get fooled by the scheme, because the zone blocking scheme is, is designed to create openings on slower ish defenses that you can exploit when you don't have that. What's going to happen? Well, we saw it happen twice against the bears, twice against the Packers. And against the 49ers in the playoffs. Well, three out of the last three out of the last four weeks, we saw it happen badly. Yeah, they got pushed around that Monday night game. They got pushed around against the Niners very badly. I mean, the Bears game was reserves, but 
I, I will say, I will say real quick. I will say the Vikings almost had to go to the zone blocking scheme based on the guys they had on the roster uh, when Rick Dennison got here last year. I, so, True. I, I mean, they, they were kind of forced into that based on the guys they had drafted and signed. And Dennison said, "Look, let's do this." And I, I will say, he got a lot of miles out of those guys. I. It, it sounds like I'm I'm bagging on the the job that they did, which I think overall they improved um, fairly substantially. I, I thought Brian O'Neill was was fantastic for most of the year. Reef was okay. Elfline got better as the season went on, and and Bradbury I, and I I thought uh, so did Bradbury though. He so got did better. Bradbury yeah. got better, and I, I think Bradbury's going to be fine actually. And then um, uh, Josh Klein I thought was a really really good free agent signing. So well, especially towards the end, scheme? Josh Klein played extremely well. Yeah. Does that scheme work with Cousins, though? Well, I think this. Well, you go ahead, Dave. This is where the difference is. On a normal team, not a good defensive line team, but against a normal team, when things start to go bad, the offense can be schemed to help alleviate that by throwing quick screens or play action pass. But when you go a good against a good defensive line. They know how to defeat that. They have the skills to defeat that. They know how to come up and keep the contain. They know how to come up and do keep their responsibilities. And with that, they beat us. Then throw in two interior pressure guys that manhandle either Elfline or Bradbury, and it turns into disaster. And that's exactly what happened. It's just we're good enough with what we have, the scheme and everything else, to get to the playoffs. But once we get to the playoffs, we're playing teams that are at our level or better, and then they know how to defeat the tricks that we are using to defeat to defeat lesser teams. And you can't get over that hump until you get a better, more stout, and as athletic offensive line in my opinion or a quarterback that can think off script we have neither of those we can hopefully build that o-line zimmer said last offseason we're going to run the football we're going to run the football and the last thing we're going to do is run the football better they had 640 more yards and 10 more touchdowns so he ran the football better so he lived up to his word on that i just don't i don't when i say does the quarterback fit into the scheme i think it all kind of has to work together we don't Kirk Cousins is not a playmaking quarterback that does things outside the pocket. And I don't want to, you know, it, it not pains me to watch, that watch Russell Wilson and Mahomes and these guys. That, you know, but there's some quarterbacks in the league that were just like Cousins who stand in the pocket. So there is a way to get it done. I just don't know. I mean, the, the Vikings just depending on running it so much, like, like Ted said, it's feast or famine. You're either doing really good or you have 20 yards in the fourth quarter and you're getting dominated. So... Uh, the thing, the thing that frustrated me the most about watching this offense this past year was when when the things they were really, really good at, play-action pass, play-action rollouts, um, you know, kind of zone running to the edge, when, when that got taken away, Vikings had no answer. They, they, they could not. The only time I can remember them adjusting and, and figuring it out was was that Denver game when they came out and went no huddle the entire second half and absolutely rolled up Denver. But I, I just I, I'm I'm and I'm not sure if that's 
coaching. I'm not sure if that's the scheme. I'm not sure if that is what. But it's something that, that was alarming because we saw it happen. time Every single time the Vikings lost, it was because the play-action rollout was taken away and, and the ability to run the ball between the tackles for four and five yards at a chunk were, were both when they were both taken away. And and the Vikings never figured it out all year. No way to overcome it. There was none. There was you got to have a way to overcome. Some weeks the running game worked. Like Bill Parcells said, we're not going to run it good every week. That's why we need Phil Sims to, you know, you're going to have to carry the team now and then. Some weeks it's going to have to be the defense. Some weeks our fucking kicker is going to have to kick five field goals. But we have to be able to compensate when one goes to shit. Somebody has to step up. And every time it comes up to us being stopped with a run, Cousins can't get it done. The Vikings, uh, let's play a game. Inconsistent or consistent? Give me an answer. Offensive line. Overall. I would say mostly consistent, I would say. Okay. Overall. Quarterback. Game by game, not, but overall. Quarterback. Mostly consistent. Mm-mm. Game plan. <laughs> inconsistent. Game plan, inconsistent. Inconsistent. I, I mean, consistent. uh, consistently bad. Well, depending on what level. Again. Most consistent part of this team was the special teams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's give that kicking coach a raise. But my point is, they got, they got to, when some, when things go bad, like like Ted said, it, it never seemed to, that Monday night game versus the pack, and then the Niner game, it just felt like as the game, I mean, halfway through the second quarter, I've lost all hope, and it's still two quarters to go. What? Yeah. yeah. When, when things are going shitty in the run, you got to come up with a different way to, Win. You have to. Mm-hmm. Look at the 49ers. The 49ers dominated us without even using their best offensive weapon. They blocked with him all day. Their yeah. best offensive weapon is George fucking Kittle. They didn't throw the ball all day. He blocked. <laughs> and they still dominate. They blocked with their best offensive weapon and beat us. That's how much ahead of us they are offensively. That's yeah. how much they are ahead of us. Yeah. The Vikings are too much, you know, everything you just said. And when it goes bad you got to be able to find a different way. The coaches have to get together on the sideline and say, we got to do something different. That bugs me about this team. Hey. God, that was a great rant, brother. <laughs> that was... that was. <laughs> this 2020 no. season is definitely the make or break for the Spielman-Zimmer Marriage, in my opinion, it, it, they've got to pull not only luck, but the best draft, but the best coaching, plus, plus the best scheming, whoever becomes our offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, to make it work. Otherwise, or or since they've lost all these players, are up against the cap, and they lost all these coaches, wouldn't this have been a good time to cut the cord and start over? It may have been, that but, that's, but that's the Wilfs' decision. It's not us as fans. Here's uh, well, thanks, thanks, John Madden. I, I really <laughs> thought I had to say what the Wilfs did. I I honestly thought that if the Vikings lost that Saints game, Zimmer was going to get fired. I did too. I, however, when when they beat the Saints, I don't think you can, in good conscience fire a coach who just won a playoff game. And one that has one of the biggest winning percentages in the last five or six years out of anybody. And, but, but that said, 
Drew, I agree with you. Um, I, I, I'm looking at this team. I'm looking at this roster, and I'm looking at coaches starting to leave, and I'm looking at at guys leaving the front office, and and I I, I think, and I go back to this. You know, how many coaches have won a Super Bowl? after they've been with the same team for more than five years, it's, you can count on, on it's one hand, one. how many, it's just one. Um, no, it's a couple, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. The, the, I, I, I think this iteration of the Minnesota Vikings with Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, and the current set of players has, has plateaued. I, I mean, we've, we've got as good as it's going to get with this set of guys. Right. Gotta go well, arm slap. Gotta go, gotta go arm slap on that. But that's what we're saying. We're gonna lose a bunch of these current players this offseason. So so if you're if you are, I mean, have they won a Super Bowl with any of the players we just mentioned? Griffin, is, Harrison is, Smith, any of them. Nope. Kirk. This is a, I, I I can't tell you how beautiful this is of a segue to what I was gonna ask you. This is so perfect. This leads me into the question. I'm Drew Bunting. I'm a quadrillionaire. I got everything I need. I love my football. I love my football. But I'm going to come to your team. I'm going to sink a couple hundred K. I'm going to buy memorabilia. I'm going to buy hot dogs. I'm going to buy three sweets. I'm going to buy all this shit. But you better give me good football or I'm going to go sign up somewhere else. So sell me the 2020 Minnesota Vikings, both of you guys. Sell the team to me to say, Drew, Come spend your money here, Mr. Mogul. Come spend your chicken out of your wallet with us. Because go ahead, sell me the Minnesota Vikings 2020. Dave, you can kick it off. <laughs> this is a challenge. That laughing is not a good way to sell something at the beginning. You're right. No, take the. Sell We've me. been sell around since 1961. We have years of tradition. Great players. Absolutely outstanding facilities. You can come enjoy yourself on a Sunday afternoon watching some good football and rooting for the NFC, hopefully North Division winners, Minnesota Vikings. You have head coach Mike Zimmer, who has one of the best winning percentages and a track record of having top 10 defenses. We have an offense that's getting nothing but better. Come see us. I'm taking notes too. I'm writing this shit down. So I want to see who sells it to me. That's it. That's what you got. That's what I got. Okay. I, I, can't, I give you a free bar while you're there in your suit. $200,000. Did I mention that's what I'm going to drop my first year? <laughs> hey, that's free bar and food in oh, the suite. Yeah, okay, we, got, we got tradition. We got head coach Zimmer, top 10 defense. Uh, it seems like a lot of stuff in the past. Oh, we I have Dalvin Cook. Oh, 20, you sell nope. me on 2020, baby. I don't care. I don't care what happened back in 98, the Metcadome. <laughs> I want to I want to be excited. I want good football. I want you to sell me a Super Bowl. Sell it. I will make sure that you have a supply of hookers and blow in your room 24-7. Okay, while you're in Minnesota watching the game. Sold. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, in, in, in all... All kidding, all kidding aside. All kidding aside. If I owned the team, we'd probably be selling shit that way. But go uh, on. I, I'm I'm having a. I I really think 2020 is going to be a, a a serious transition year for the Vikings. I I think the offense is going to have to carry the defense, 
And I mean, this is really early. I mean, we haven't gone through free agency. We haven't gone through the draft. Oh, I appreciate the honesty. I appreciate if I'm dropping two hundred thousand dollars my first year. I want to know. I want honesty. Um, so I appreciate it. I I, I think twenty twenty is going to be a transition year. I I used to play this if then game with the Vikings when when we were had guys like Tyson Childress and Frazier coaching this team. If this guy can do this, and if that guy can do that, and if this guy can do that, then we're going to get to the playoffs. Under Zimmer, that wasn't really an issue. I mean, you, you thought, you looked at the roster going into the season, yeah, this is a playoff team. We're going to playoffs. Sure. I, I don't know that I can say that about 2020 right now. But, but I, I, I can tell you that if we don't make the playoffs in 2020, our cap situation gets really healthy in 2021. I'm going to push to draft a dynamic quarterback that is going to lead this team into the future that we can build our franchise around. And by 2021 and 2022 and on, we are going to be a championship caliber team if if this plan is done right. So if you spend your money with me in 2020, Mr. Bunning, I, I can't promise you a Super Bowl. What I can promise you, we're going we're gonna to try and get the best young talent in the NFL on the field to get to where we need to go because nobody wants a Super Bowl more than Minnesota Vikings. That, that I can promise you. That is really well said. I'm buying the other from guys, 10. By the way, the other guy's fired. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't <laughs> I'm buying from Ted. That is pretty that, – that, that actually got me pretty fired up. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'll go ahead and put my money in tomorrow. And the first thing you mentioned, we'll go back and talk about that because that's going to be important. <laughs> But I I, I, uh, I thought about this little exercise like four nights ago. I thought about like 11 o'clock. I started writing it down going, I'm going to ask the guys this because what a better way to talk about 2020? Sell them to me. Sell me the fucking Vikings. Sell it. You know, we're going to believe in it. we got to get it done. But it seems like to me it's a really tough mountain compared to last year. It does. It feels like all these coaches are leaving. We have no money. Losing all these defensive players. It's like, now, if Zimmer couldn't get it done before, how the fuck are him and Spielman going to get this shit done now? It's almost like it feels, it does feel transition-y. It's if, the if biggest test of their careers, period. Yeah, I'd agree with that. With that, any last words there, Drew? And that was a marvelous question. I love it. Thanks, thanks. I, every once in a while I do marvelous things. <laughs> I don't have a challenge. I have a challenge flag today. Um, I would like to start an NFL show, and I'm going to go live and ask you guys if you want to do it now, because I think we need to talk about NFL stuff besides Vikings. That's my oh, challenge. Yeah. I'm in. Sure. Okay. Cool. I can cool. Produce. You won't be getting you won't be getting big paychecks like you're getting now, but <laughs> <laughs> I say meow meow, Mike and Cow. I am fired up on the draft, and I'm looking forward as we go along, get the combine and stuff to do some draft shows with you guys and. Really discuss guys that we're not going to get that are going to shine for other teams. That's really what I'm looking forward to. Because I really wanted Debo Samuel as a Viking. I talked about him. I did three draft write-ups and said, this is the best guy with the ball in his hands. And now he's playing in the Super Bowl. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Ted, any last words? Uh, It's draft time, baby. We'll see you in Vegas. In Vegas, (laughs) baby! Vegas, Ted! Gotta fly your ass out of your pickup, Dave. We'll meet in Vegas and we'll ride around in those that fucking like boats out in the middle of the bay that they're gonna use. Yeah. Come on, we got four months to plan it. Uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, I got I got a daughter and grandson that live out there now. It, it could be very doable. Hey, I got a nephew. I'm willing to drive there. that far. Oh man, okay. imagine that. 
live show from Vegas. Live show draft. from Vegas. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be cool. Hey, Paul Gates, get Gates out there. We got to have Eddie Van Halen too. For those that are interested on today's show, Ernie. I'm drinking a Melvin two by four <laughs> IPA, nine point nine percent ABV. Absolutely wonderful. If you like your IPAs, like me, out west, and not. Ted Glover, who likes his frou-frou coffee. What about my new pumpkin spice lagers? I don't drink. That's a great jersey. A, I don't drink pumpkin oh. spice. I drink amber ale. The and greatest that's a great jersey. That is a it, great jersey. That it, from Mitchell and Ness. It's a stitched Paul Krause jersey. That nice. is the greatest safety whoever played. Period. Period. Yeah. I'm glad Stefanski's gone. I don't know why you call that a big loss. What's so fucking special about his play calling? <laughs> seven first downs. <laughs> In two different games. Two different games he had seven first downs. Well, I, I hope I hope you guys are ready to welcome the uh, <laughs> Kubiak, Kubiak, Zimmer, and Zimmer law firm as your coaching and, and coordinators next year. It could be. We'll Whatever. talk about that next week. Yeah, we'll talk about that next year. Yeah, I noticed you didn't throw that out in your sales pitch, did you? <laughs> We'll talk about that next week. Skull, everybody!